Welcome back. to the School Podcast. We are here in Ogden, Utah. If you don't know what the School Podcast is, it's affiliated with SOAR. If you don't know what SOAR is, SOAR is the School of Addiction Recovery. <clears throat> so we are located here on 3075 Grant Avenue, Ogden, Utah. If you do want to contact us, give us a call, 801-943-2655. You see that number on the bottom of your screen. If you guys are looking for an IOP that's going to holistically help you stay sober and clean, this is the place. That's what we do. Five days a week, we got groups. We do uh, workout experiences, and then we do group sessions, and we go through a manual, takes you through the 12 steps. We are a 12-step program, and we do a lot of spiritual experiences. We get mind, bodies, and spirit all together holistically to keep you sober. I love Amen. this place. Amen. Me too. Me too. Love sore. Back back in the days when it was war, I mean, Dustin, for those that don't know, I mean, started this basically back in 2000, either 10, 10 or 12. years ago. Like, yeah, 10 years Just ago, 2010. Years. And I remember that it started with, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some homelessness stuff today, but basically he was dealing with addicts that were essentially homeless and they were living on the, they were literally, literally sleeping on the floor of the gym back 10 years ago, you know, Dustin was just doing, he wasn't even charging people at that point, maybe whatever they could possibly come up with, but just helping people get into, you know, working out initially and then just talking about it. And then it really started growing into war, which then became sore, you know, out, out of the war and now soaring above, you know, yeah. it's just so cool. The story, man, Dustin, <clears throat> such a solid dude. And Frank, you know, who, who runs the program, such a solid dude. And LT, as you guys know, man, this guy's brought such good change to this place and then we got jake on the ones and twos today baby what up jake yes, behind sir. the scenes yeah like this morning what we did is we uh we do on saturday mornings we used to do like a team workout so we did uh it was actually 80 calories on the assault bike and the assault bike is the <laughs> hardest machine to yeah. use in the building and so i would do 10 my buddy would do 10. I would do 10 and I did 40. He did 40. Right. And then the next thing we did 80 thrusters. I do 40. He does 40. And then we went to 80 kettleball swings, which I do 80, 40. Bro. He does 40. And then we did sumo height, you know, and then back to the lat. Then the last thing we do was 80 uh, calorie again on that assault. Like, it made me sick this morning. I had to come up here and absolutely lay on the couch for like 10, 20 minutes. I Dude, I do 80 okay. calories on that assault bike and I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead, man. I've I've had Dustin's workout several times and I do maybe a month at a time and, you know, not be able to hang, man. So much respect to everyone, but you know, uh, Oh, hold on. The cool thing though, before we move on, uh, is after we do those type of workouts, we all got in the car, we went down to Riverdale, we take this beautiful walk down this path and we end up in this area as the sun's coming up, it's heating you up. We all, and then we separate from each other, you know, uh, 20 50 feet away or more <clears throat> go hide a little bit and you get your book out and we sit and read for like 30 minutes and just hang out if you guys go to the school of addiction facebook page follow us there and check it out we post all our experiences uh dustin took some pictures uploaded what we've done then we end in a group prayer and then we, we go on with our day we still got the whole saturday well the thing is how many other programs are actually like that man like I, so i think of the last rehab i went to which is almost four years ago november 15th i'll, go, I'll have my four years right and, you know, when we would do gym, when we would do the gym, it would be, you know, like three, four days a week. And we'd go to a gym. We usually play volleyball, which was like, you know, it's volleyball and a racquetball course. Yeah. Super fun. But Way fun. there was there was, you know, totally different. Uh, you know, people some people would hit the weight. Some people would hit something else. But like when you come to soar, I mean, it's it's you you, you experience a transformation in all areas, the physical, intellectual, emo, pies, P.I.E.S.S.S. physical, emotional, intellectual, wait, physical, intellectual, emotional social 
sexual, if you're following your 12 steps, that's the 13th step. And then spiritual, <laughs> right? Social, spiritual, and then the other. Yeah. And so, but physically, you're literally changing physically. And so people are watching themselves and their self-confidence is going up. But to start your day like that, a Saturday at a, at a, at a, at a treatment center, it, it's just it's just awesome. And obviously, it's not residential, so you're still living at home. Um, or, or wherever you're living, but you're able to it really, you really just get a brand new peer group. You're not, you're not around anyone that's using drugs, which is just another secondary benefit. Yeah. Dustin's always talking about the reward. And when I first got here, I was like, the reward, this, this sucks. This hurts. It's hard. Yeah. I'm sweating. My heart's pounding out of my chest. And I gave it a month or two. And all of a sudden you start feeling that reward. And that's a hard thing and to you see. It yeah, too. once you start seeing and you feel that reward, then you're then you're bought in, you're sold. You see how it works, and then you look at drugs and alcohol, and you're like, "How could I ever go back to that feeling?" Yeah, I think about alcohol, and I've been triggered, you know, since. Of course, but to just to think of the way it would make me feel, even the buzz, like right. the glow, you know, that first good yeah. feeling. I'm like, no, that's not going to feel good. And then to wake up hungover, no thanks. Right. Like dude. this morning, I popped out of bed. I was happy. Made a big pot of coffee. Maybe, you know, we played music all morning on my speakers and me and Link were up hanging out. Yeah, dude. Awesome. Sober, sober joy. Sober and joy. You don't, ever, you don't even have joy without sobriety and recovery, yeah. I think, unless you're a non-addict, right? Then you have joy. But when you have that in your life, just, just express. Like, I think that it's, recovery is about separating yourself as many, like, you know, I use that whole room analogy of addiction but really separating yourself as far as you can from that door or from that bad decision and it's like for you to relapse you'd have to think of all like you'd have to i mean missing a workout might be instead of just having a bad day now you, you you'd have to like miss a workout you'd have to not touch base with all the people that sore you'd have to not be doing your passion you'd have to do all these different things for you to even get close to even yeah you know what i mean it's like you, you have to throw away you have so much more that you'd be throwing away now you're like ah no nah, this sucks i hate being happy i'm gonna go hide in a dark hole right dude exactly <laughs> exactly no, so thank you speaking of people hiding man um you know it was interesting yesterday when mm-hmm. we were out there. So uh, give them a whole recap of what we've been doing. Certainly. Last so, month. so for the last month, LT and I, um, we've been, you know, you know, it's some interesting statistics. So first of all, all of us addicts, homelessness is a very real, especially those in active addiction. It's a very, very real potential reality for some of us, for some of us, maybe some, some listening or watching, it's something they've experienced, but, addiction often ends in homelessness and homelessness often ends in addiction. It's, it's, it's really this kind of vicious cycle. And so, you know, oftentimes when we're helping people and, you know, I do interventions and worked in, worked in treatment and out of treatment for, you know, roughly, roughly 15 years and uh, was sober for seven before. So it wasn't, even though I met on my four years, you know what I mean? I was out of treatment when I had my relapse out of working in treatment, but you know, you don't, there's so many addicts that are, you know, coming to treatment programs and things like that, that there's so many to help. And then, you know, you kind of don't even really think about how many people might be struggling out there that are homeless, you know, like it might be a thought and maybe it's a big fear that we have. But so one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, like, how do we, how do we give back and maybe help people that the rest of society has given up on, you know? And so for the last month we've been, and, and I wanted to give a shout out to the YouTube channel, Invisible People. Because invisible people um, is really that's what kind of really what kind of sparked the idea is he he he's a guy that's been homeless himself and he goes and 
all different cities across the country, across the world and interviews people that are homeless just to get their story. You know what I mean? And so we, we went and, and we, for the last month, we've been trying to find ways we can give back and help, help people that are homeless, but really go and spread the message of recovery to them for those that it's not a very prevalent message, you know, I mean, and we learned that pretty quickly. So we went down there about a month ago. We've been down there at least once a week, every week since. And uh, yeah, so where we go. So let me, let me give yeah, you a little snapshot. So we're in Ogden, Utah, right? We're at 3075 Grand Avenue, just like it says right there on your screen. And about two blocks this way is called Lighthouse. It's a home. It's a homeless shelter. Right? Yes. Yeah, homeless shelter. It's this big homeless shelter facility. And there's people that stay inside the facility that are checked in. They're, they're like obeying the rules. They're getting yeah, their COVID two totally checks. Places, yeah. And then just right on the street out front is Tent City, all the way up down both sides. The cops clear them out. Within an hour, their tents are back up. So we've been going down there. And all we're doing is just getting out, introducing ourselves, saying, hey, this is who we are. We're your neighbors up the street. Uh, this is, you know, we're in recovery and a few of them are actually homeless, but in recovery. Yeah. But you know, that's only maybe what 2% and right. the rest of them are busy as hell doing nothing. Doing nothing. <laughs> we saw someone yesterday. Yeah. That was just sitting there with a hacksaw, just <laughs> going to work at, you know, 10 AM, just tent tools everywhere, yeah. tent tools everywhere, you know? And the thing is, um, yeah. And, and so we started just, just like he said, just started talking to people and, uh, and that was our first day. And we, we, we went around and, you know, we asked people just, just introduced ourselves to them, asked different ways that we could help. And, uh, and then we would ask, we would ask some people, you know, if they were willing to share their story, whether they're in addiction or not, we wanted to hear from them. We wanted to know that their voice, because we need, especially when we're addictions, when we need someone to reach out to us, yeah. right? The first person we met had zero interest in sharing their story and zero interest in recovery, but enjoyed you know? the conversation and the smile. Absolutely. Enjoyed the conversation, the smile, thanked us for giving him a smile. And, and, and so that's no knock on him. You know, people get to choose to live their lives how they want, but it was, you know, our, our first, our first introduction was kind of like, Ooh, wow. You know? And then we, uh, we, we went around, started talking to some more people and, and we, uh, we connected with this older gentleman uh, named Ben. Oh yeah, Ben. And uh, and we we've got a cool interview with him actually here in this studio. We're going to be putting out kind of like a we're deciding how to do it, whether it be a series, whether it be a long episode. We don't we don't know yet, but we're going to be doing. You're going to be able to see all the stuff that we're that we're doing. But yeah, Alicia. So we we do only do this in Ogden right now. We just started, like I said, we only go once a week. We go usually on Tuesdays or Thursdays in the morning. Um, and we're just right now basically what we're doing is we're not trying to bum rush them. Not at no all. No pun intended. Um. And just to get to know them. And so now that we, we pull up, they, re they recognize us. we've got recovering addict hoodies on. And, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? And yesterday we went up and down. All we did is basically went up and down the street and we passed out like 40 waters. Yeah, 40 waters to everyone. And then winter coats. We, uh, we, had some, we had a friend of ours donate a bunch of winter coats and we handed some of those out. And yeah, so if anyone has anything to donate, I mean, you know, they've said things like hygiene kits, um, you know, toilet rolls. Um, we're going to start a box here at soar for people that, you know, if you clean out your closet and you got a bunch of clothes or you got anything, you know, that you're going to throw away, we're yeah. just going to start stacking it up here and absolutely uh, we'll be able to just start taking it down and giving it away. And all we're doing is trying to love people. Really? That's you know? it. It's just trying to love people, you know? And yeah. also, and also I think for, I, I think those that have been brave enough to share their story with us that are sober, they might not, they might not really tout that down there because down there might not be the hottest thing to, to be sober. You know what I mean? And we, we've seen, you know, quite a few things go down. We won't speak on, but you know, um, uh, gosh, what yesterday we had someone come up that said, uh, they saw your shirt and, and the guy's like, 
recovering addict. And we thought he was going to be a fan. And he, and he's, he throws up the double fingers and he says, I'm a rock you, star. F you, I'm a rock star. <laughs> you know? And we're like, all right, buddy, do you, you, you know what I mean? It still gave him a smile, you know? And, um, but, uh, and then the guys we were talking to, they were like, even though they had a couple beers in their hands, they were like, man, what an, what an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. they were, they were, like even they, It's got its own little community, but we did hear from a gentleman named Ben who, um, you know, who, who shared his story. He's almost sober four years as well. Um, uh, long, long history of cocaine use. Um, we had someone named George yesterday share their story. We had uh, someone named James yesterday share their story. Um, we have a few other people that, you know, Eventually, they may share their story, but we're trying to spread the message of recovery, give them love, and then also hear their stories of recovery or their stories of struggle so that we can also share those for anyone that's willing to help. And so, you know, there's some interesting statistics that I've pulled up, you know, regarding us. At, let, let me just here's some here's some stats maybe on overall with homelessness. But um, so around the U.S., this is the stats are done differently. In Utah, there was a stat done in 2019. The last United States stat was done in 2017, and there's yeah. approximately 554,000 homeless people in the U.S., um, and it's increasing yearly, and especially in younger age ranges. Um, so the National Coalition for the Homeless has found that 38% of homeless people are alcohol dependent, 38, I mean, that's more than a third, and 26% are dependent on other harmful chemicals. So a quarter are, are addicted to, um, you know, crack, meth, heroin, pills, you name it. Um, and oftentimes addiction is a result of homelessness. So, and I've, I've even seen this before. So where, you know, there, there might be a woman or, or a male that's in an abusive relationship that can go either way. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're just put out and, um, just from being out there and being exposed and being, being out there with no, with no help and being surrounded by a big group of people that are willing to use and sell drugs and things like that, that they end up using and becoming hooked themselves. What's up, Josh? And, and Alicia that asked earlier, you know, I, I, I actually have quite a few older videos from a couple of years ago and I'd go do this down in Salt Lake um, at the block where, you know, I'd go in and try to talk to people. It's so much different though, with having, with going with a, a few people, you know what I mean? Like yesterday was such a cool day. Um, but some other things. So, Hi, so, Shandia. That'd be cool if you share your story one day. I'd love to have you come down. Absolutely. Uh, has, has anyone on here, if they want to share experienced homelessness, it'd be interesting to know if, if yeah, anybody on, uh, that's watching right now, because uh, you may be catching this podcast actually on a podcast platform that I upload on Mondays, but right as we do them, they are also live. So if Correct. you tuned in on shoot seven different platforms, you can catch us live. Alicia says she's been homeless. So Alicia, you've been homeless. So she was on the podcast last Saturday. Oh, gotcha. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so, best, best podcast we've had so far since I really, yeah. Oh man. I, I Lisha, I'm going to definitely check that one out later today. So I'm sure you've already shared that part of your story. Um, so is that Epi? Epi. Yep. Epi. That's yeah, Felice's so, brother. Epi. Okay. Gotcha. So Epi has been there. Um, <laughs> look, that's, that's good. So, so listen, so also a third of the homeless battle with mental illness, and, and we know that that can lead to addiction in and of itself. So bipolar, paranoia, delusion, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive order, severe anxiety. Um, so a lot of people just try to self-medicate to, to deal with what they're going through. But, you know, I don't know how many people have walked outside this last week. And just realized how cold it's been. Yeah, we had a cold front come through. I mean, a cold front came through. The last few days, not as bad, but 
gosh, maybe five days ago or so. It was, I mean, I had to double jacket it up, you know, and Nick says he's lived in his car. Yeah. Nick, what's going on, my man? You know that guy? Yeah. And he's, he's, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cool. We, we go back. We go back. Patria. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah, no, this is this is one of this is this is one of my this is one of my best buddies, man. Still, Nick, love you to death, man. Would love to would love to we didn't make a bit ago, but nice. yeah, I would love to hear that, man. Happy Halloween, everyone. So, yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's 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 pretty interesting. Um, sixty percent, so 60 percent of homeless women suffer from mental and emotional disturbances, often predating their homelessness. Um. And then many homeless women become uh, homeless in response to escaping uh, post-laden with domestic violence or sexual trauma. Some are victims who fled the hard grip of, se- of sex trafficking. And then those along with co-occurring disorders have contributed to the fact that one-third of homeless women have abused heroin and crack cocaine. Check out this little one right here. Not little, but... Okay, yeah, let's How do you say that? Seraphin? Seraphin or seraphine. I'm struggling. I'm an addict to pills, weed, and my husband picked meth up this year. I'm now homeless. Been hotel hopping because we lost the home. He's been selling and buying, and it's so dangerous. His mom sold our home, but she's still saying she will let him pick our our new family home, and I can't live with him in active addiction. Then he brings the pills. I'm weak around me, and I can't figure out what to do with myself and three kids and how not to get mad at him for being addicted. Ah, that's a tough situation. Seraphine, you got to take care of yourself and your kids, and you, if you have to draw a hard, strict boundary, draw it. Uh, and just, you know, you gotta, if you know, your 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 potential to relapse in a high risk situation, you gotta, you gotta put yourself in protection and your kids in protection. If that's going to keep you clean and let his addiction take him where it's going to be, your recovery is your recovery and his is his Absolutely. separate yourself and do what you got to do is would be my advice. You know, I'd say the same thing. And Seraphine, I don't know where you're, where you're writing in from, but if, if you are in Utah area, um, and, and I'm happy to look afterwards uh, for some others, but Utah has uh, Odyssey House of Utah has a women's and children's program. It also has a fathers and children's program, which was the first on this side, this side of the Mississippi. But in Utah, um, and, and you can reach out and call call uh, SOAR, or you can give me a call at 26Sobriety, 26 and then dial the word sobriety. And, I can, and I'm happy to plug you in with them because um, it, it's an amazing program. Your kids will actually get education. Go make sure they attend school and they will have daycare throughout the day while you're in 24 seven residential treatment. So it can literally save your life. I went through Odyssey house. I was there two years. Um, I don't want to speak for anyone else that might be on here that, that may have may or may not have been through that program, but it's uh, she's in Houston. You, you know what? There's not a house of, of, uh, of, of Houston. Actually, there's not a house of Texas. Um, ah, they may have closed. I got to check, but I, I guarantee you that Houston has some uh, women's and children programs. I do know that, um, but we will. Uh, yeah, Epi California definitely has a ridiculous homelessness rate. Houston, and, Texas, I bet you they got all kinds of things. I, I know they do. You know, but it's it's interesting. The guy that we interviewed yesterday, so in, this guy James, you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy James was he started his addiction down in Texas when he was twelve, mm-hmm. and then he got addicted to uh, to the fentanyl strips. He was chewing them up, and his daily dose was usually a. Alicia, I love Odyssey House too. You work there. Yes. So if you know Callie, Callie Mauer, so I used to have her position. Adam, Adam and I are close buddies, and uh, and I used to be the director of marketing there. So I went through Odyssey House back in 2006, January 3rd, 2006. I went in there. And then uh, 
then yeah, they do still do have programs in Texas. Thanks, Nick. And um, yeah, went through that program and was there two years and then, then worked my way up and then was on the exec team. It was an awesome experience. Then worked there for several years after that until I left the industry. Oh, you and- know what? Maybe we could, I know him to the rock. His name is Michael Molson. He's down there in Houston. Oh, that's right. Maybe we could, uh, I'll reach out to him. Maybe I'll see if he can send me some links to programs down there that could help you out there. Sarah, um, if you don't mind me calling you Sarah, Sierra, I, sorry, I brutal, I, I screw names up all day. Uh, and then maybe I can post them on the, on the Facebook page in the private Facebook group. And then maybe that'll help you out. Yeah, I'm Googling right now to see to see what there is. But hi, Sky Love. This uh, gentleman that we talked to yesterday was okay. Uh, I'm trying to find something that has okay. Texas drug rehabs for women with, women with children. Um, I'll send you this right here, uh, Jake, and maybe you can send the link and the message. I, I, I hope this link is helpful. It says drug and alcohol facilities for women with children. Yeah, no But problem. they do a good job also of, uh, if anyone's out there has, has lost their children here locally, Odyssey House does an amazing job of reuniting, you know, the mothers or the fathers with children. So the parents with children program is what it's called now is pretty amazing. But this guy, James yesterday, man, his story was interesting. We saw him, he had dress shoes on, you know, he looked, yeah. he, uh, you know, and he hadn't been homeless too long, but listen now he got homeless. So he'd been an addict for a long time, but, um, basically he was living in, um, he was, he had a place with, he had a place with a guy and the two of them were dating, they were roommates and they were dating these other two women that were roommates. And he, this was just last year. He got his kids to come stay with him you know, he got his three kids to come stay with him that he, from a divorce that, that had really broken him up. Um, but he got his kids to come stay with him. And this is while he's been sober. He's been sober the last three years from heroin. And he, uh, they came and then he got kicked out of his house because he walked in on his yeah, roommate was... with the other roommate that he was dating a pretty, pretty brutal story, brutal experience. And he, he didn't go back to heroin, but he, he ended up homeless. And so he had to, he had to send his kids back with their mom and, uh, and he was, you know, so now he's out there and he's trying to find work. He it sounds like he does have a job, but there it's kind of on and off, but yeah. it's, it's a hard experience down there. You know, yesterday they were actually, they weren't even going to give people food, I guess, unless they had a COVID yeah, test. They, I understand the point, the, the reason, but the ladies from the lighthouse came out and they were dressed like, like it was the, you like know, pandemic. Suits, yeah. yeah. Like space suits and yelling at everybody. If you have, you got your Corona checkup, you need to no get food, a, no food yeah. for you. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" Somebody in the comments asked if I was uh, ever homeless, and I, I'm. How do you define homeless? Is it somebody that's not in have a house with a bedroom of their own? Yeah, because I basically house hopped. Yeah, as a tweaker for uh, months, right? I would do meth. I didn't live anywhere. I didn't have a place. That's considered homeless, home. according to like the definition. So then, yeah, I guess I was homeless. And then there was a week. There was a one week period where I had run out of couches to crash on. Yeah. That I was kind of, I didn't sleep in the streets, but I was still just struggling at the last few couches and then ended up getting arrested and went to jail. So that's about as close as I never ended up at a homeless shelter or under a bridge or nothing like that. I was just running around. Yeah. Um, You know, it's always been one of the biggest fears of mine. You know what I mean? Is because I know that that's something that we can. Thanks copy. I know, I know it's a place that any of us with a series of bad decisions could end up. Yeah. It's absolutely a place that any of us can end up. That's what we were talking about in group last night. So we brought a friend with us Yeah, and she's, she's going through it right now too. Um, she, we're all in recovery here. It's a struggle every day. Oh, our friend from yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, 
the cool thing is you look at and you see that situation and you're like, man, my life's not that bad. But in, in the other aspect too, I like to rewind. I look at these people that are homeless and I look at them and I go five, 10 years ago, exactly. they weren't like this. Right. And they didn't expect to see themselves like this. No. And then I look at myself and go, by the grace of God, there go I. You know, if exactly. it wasn't for the grace of God, there's where I would be. Absolutely. Like, no problem. You know, absolutely. Dude, just a few decisions away from being there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and given our addiction, that's that's a very likely outcome. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's uh, like I said, that's it's a cycle. So anyway, we wanted to, we, we wanted to basically share about, you know, what we're doing. We want to ask anyone, anyone that wanted to uh, anyone that wants to help you know, either feel free to come drop off any type of donations, uh, feel free to just call in and, uh, and, or, or send some in with it, with a tag of where you want it to go. And, and we're happy to, uh, happy to use those in, in our project. So it's, and I don't want to call it a project. It's, it's more of a spiritual experience, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. giving back, you know, but, um, it's, a uh, it's touching. You it know is. what I mean? I enjoy the conversations we get in. Oh, I enjoy the conversations completely. So, so Brian, um, who, who we who has an amazing story. We were, we were, he's not available to actually dial in right now. He's actually got a job. He's employed and, uh, and he, he's living in the shelter, but he's actually by choice doing it for a year. He wanted to, you know, obviously, obviously down on some difficult times, but wanted to give it a year to, to actually get the experience of kind of disconnecting from everything. And, uh, and anyway, um, we wanted to get him on live to, to share his story today, but he's unable to, but um, I'm talking one of the most positive people that I've met, you know, and Gary yesterday, just so positive, yeah. despite the circumstances. Yep. You know, have, you, have you, anyone seen the movie Happy? Not me. So the movie. Happy. Thank you so much, brother. Nick. Yeah. Hey, if, if Susie, if Susie wants to give some things, dude, just, just send me a text. Send me a text, man. It's still the same number. Yeah. And we'll bring it here. We're going to start storing a bunch of stuff here at, uh, at SOAR. So that on the days that him and I and whoever wants to join us, yeah, you know, we're not selfish, just us two going down there. We love to take anybody with us. We're going to try to get group sessions to go down there and and just give back to the community, you know? Yeah, when we get enough stuff, we're going to want to go. We're actually going to want to go set up a table one night and just be able to have a massive give out. And bring. I'm going to get my uncle's restaurant, ideally. Uncle Don, if you're watching, <laughs> I'm going to try to get his Mexican restaurant to donate, um, you know, a bunch of a bunch of food. That's one of the things they mentioned is just a hot meal. Like oh, a yeah, hot, hot meal is meal. something they said that they would love. So that's difficult. nice right in the winter in the dead of winter. Absolutely. Take them a hot meal. It's exactly what I'm That'd thinking, you know, and, and then, and then anyone that wants to join would be a great spiritual. We'll experience. do Epi. Yeah. And like I've told you guys before, before actually we uh, initiated the process, anytime um, uh, super chats are hit, a portion of that goes to buying the waters, uh, deodorant, whatever, you know, so happy you're, yep. That five bucks will definitely go there for sure. And thank you so much for your support. Yeah. Alicia, yeah, anytime. I know Dustin wants you to come down and talk to the group too. So we need to set something up anyway. Yeah. Fleece, we could take the grill down there and make tacos. That would be cool. We could, Oh, we could just go down there and Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. They're like, I, I think I figured it out to make one street taco is 61 cents. <clears throat> oh yeah. It, it, absolutely. You know, you know, what we could also do is we could also, if we're able to raise enough and I'm willing to, I'm willing to contribute as well. But if we, we could find, we could find a food truck that, because I know like for, for different parties, like I've hired a food truck where you basically pay 
for how long they want to be there. And it's like unlimited food, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and like they, they have their so hourly rate. Yeah. And so, I mean, they might raise the hourly rate cause I'm sure the food will go fast, you know, but, but I mean, we, we could cook as well as maybe depending on how much we can raise, you know, bring someone that can actually, you know, in case, in case we get hassled for not having a, uh, license for the cooking or anything like that, you know. But we're not selling it. We're just giving. Them no, that's true. That's true. I think for like four hundred bucks, we could feed about what well, we can make like about six hundred tacos. Yeah, see, that's unreal. Yeah, that, and that that's that's that's, that's with a drink of. too. That like would take soda. care of everyone. Yeah. I mean, that would take care of everyone at least in that area. We just give away plates of four tacos. Yeah, we'd feed the whole town. We absolutely would. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That, I, yeah, man. I mean, got twice. You know. Yeah. Felice Tacos. Felice makes some good tacos. Delicious, Adam. She knows what's up. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to get others to share their stories. Um, but, you know, I mean, maybe one of the things we could talk about. Um, let me look at some more of these stats before we kind of go on to some other things. But um, because some of these are just staggering. Oh, Epi says if we contact In-N-Out, they, they might do some charity stuff. In-N-Out might. That and, yeah. then, and then it's yeah we can go to the one in there is one in Ogden isn't there I know there's one in Layton. Does Brad are you in Riverdale, Utah? Okay, even easier. Is Brad in Utah? That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, PA. When you're saying you can do that, Brad, what are you talking about? One of the P words. Heck yeah. So, um, so just to get some stats on Utah. Um, so in Utah right now, there's 2,798 people who are homeless. So either crowding in shelters, street corners, parks, and cars, these individuals experienced the loneliness, fear, and pain of homelessness. That was, that was like one night in 2019. Um, average life expectancy for someone who's homeless is 66 and a half years, which is 12 years less than that of the general U.S. population. Um, and also tends to have far more health concerns than, oh, than the housed person. Thanks, Brad. That's, that's, that's. Unhoused, oftentimes the word people like to use is, is unhoused. Um, so almost 90% of homeless individuals report having problems within the last six months. Unstably housed adults over age 50 use the emergency rooms at least four times the rate of the general population. And then homeless individuals have higher prevalence of chronic disease, diseases, often more than 10% than that of the general population's prevalence for any, any given condition. So, and 4th Street, shout out to 4th Street in Utah, They 4th Street Clinic in Salt Lake. They do an amazing job of helping the homeless in Utah. I know they even helped, they even helped everyone that was in Odyssey House, free dental, um, all types of things. Now Odyssey House has their own services that they provide. They, in fact, you, Odyssey House partnered with, um, partnered with um, the state to provide homeless services. So they have a, they, they actually provide services to those that are, that are just strictly homeless. Thank you, Merck. Yeah, you guys can reach me at recoveringaddict8 at gmail.com. If you go to recoveringaddict.org as well, you'll find my cell phone and any way to contact us. And the 3 o'clock Zoom is going to be canceled until further notice for all the people who know what I'm talking about today. Um, I got to, you know, today's Halloween for one, but then all this other projects we got going on, I got to try to find some free time so that I don't burn myself out yeah dude don't burn out burnout ain't good yeah telling you down there burnout is exactly (laughs) what led me to my last relapse that's exactly what it did was burnout trying to give too much to myself trying to do too much that's what ended me on the you know i'm on the golden gate bridge every week trying to decide which light post i'm gonna jump from you know i mean that's story well yeah so um 
so for those that don't know, so I worked in, so I was sober for, like I said, a number of years and, uh, and I was working at Odyssey house. Um, the, um, Adam, Eric and I, you know, we're, 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 essentially that running Odyssey house at the time, along with the rest of the exact team. Um, and then Eric and I had gone on to start new roads. I stayed working at Odyssey house with Adam while I was helping with new roads. And then, but I kind of got this feeling that, you know, what, I'm, I've got this recovery thing licked. I'm, and I, I already finished my master's in business. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of too good to work in this recovery thing that, which is, <laughs> which is already a sign that my ego was getting to me. So then I went into private equity, which as a, as an, as an MBA, as someone who graduated business school is like your dream job, right? You're like, okay, now I get to become the big wig CEO exec, you know, all that type of stuff. And so I went out to California and, you know, was, was running a business out there and, um, and essentially just, you know, like, okay, you know, I can start, I can start drinking again. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, this is no problem because I can manage my drinks. I can keep it to one, two or three drinks if I want to, but then I'm with, I'm with someone and they, they bust out some cocaine. And then of course, you know, once that cocaine is busted out and I'm three drinks deep, even though I can stop at drink three, that cocaine sounds a lot better. And my inhibitions are a lot lower and I hate cocaine. That's not even one of my drugs of choice. And so, you know, next thing you know is, is I'm, I'm hitting some lines of Coke. And then of course, after that, I'm like, well, shit, man, I got to come down. Hey, dealer, you buy, talk to my lawyer buddy who knew the dealer. Then it's like, Hey, introduced me. You don't, you by chance don't have any Oxycontin or anything like that. Do you? He's like, well, here, here's a menu basically opens up everything he had. He he was basically a pharmacy. And, uh, and so then my addiction, you know, within, within a, within two years of not, of not working in recovery and, and letting and let my ego basically drive everything that I was doing. You know what I mean? And I was having great experiences in terms of business experience, but in terms of life experience, I was becoming far less happy. I'm married to an amazing woman who ended in divorce much, much due to my use. And then I, I found myself basically on the Golden Gate Bridge. I would go down there every week. So San Francisco became the place I'd go to go to score. Anyone that, when I mean, you see the tents out there, that's what the tenderloin is. It's like tents, nothing but tents. And there's a different corner, you know, Turk and Taylor for your crack, um, you know, Golden Gate and Leavenworth for your opiates, um, you know, different corner for everything. It's, it's in the block in Salt Lake has become, or was at least similar to that. But so I'd go down there often. And then every time I'd have to go down there, I'd have to cross the Golden Gate. You know what I mean? And so it became so lonely that, and I, and I never, and I, I was always thinking of how could I end this? You know what I mean? And, and shooting myself never sounded like a mess I wanted to leave for anyone I cared about. So I was like, and then I watched this documentary, The Bridge, which it would, it's all about the Golden Gate Bridge and, and the, the suicide that happened. And it, it's mind blowing, but you would think that would be something that would pull me out of it. But it actually kind of drew me more to it. And because it told kind of the different stories and, and you hear different peers that different people jump from. And I started researching being like, okay, well, this guy in, in the sixties or the forties, I don't remember jumped with his four-year-old daughter, you know what I mean? And, and that's a pretty sad story. Like I'm feeling that bad about myself. That's the one I'm going to go from, yeah. you know, and uh, he's an elevator salesman. And um, I mean, amazing the different stories they have. And so, I would, I, I, I can't tell you the, how many times I walked that bridge and no one ever had talked to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just because I'm, I'm casually just walking that bridge. The two times that I was actually dead serious about jumping, like dead serious, like I, I had put on a suit because I didn't want anyone to bug me. I had my phone out. I wanted to pretend like 
Like I was completely involved in a conversation because I had learned about bridge angels at this point, the lady that had worked, that worked in the, in the, in the condo that I had, like the complex was one of them. And it kind of told me about them. And so I, you know, would try to, I was, I was like, okay, I don't want to be stopped by anyone. So I'm sitting there both times, the same one I'm, I'm talking on my phone and, uh, and I'm in the middle of a call, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning over the railing and I'm just picturing it because it takes, you know, it takes guts, even though, even though it's, a, it can, it can be told it's a gutless thing to do. It's, it takes guts to do it when you're in the moment and guts I clearly didn't have, but with the help of God, and I'd say it's through these bridge angels, like these bridge angels, actually, I'm in the middle of a call and would come up, they they just come up and they just say, Hey, and they would do this to pretty much anyone that was on the railing. They'd say, Hey, I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know that somebody out there cares about you. You know what I mean? And that that's their job is just to walk the bridge and just really? look at anyone that's, even if they're, I, I'm on the middle of a call and I'm dressed in a suit. It's like, lady, I'm closing a deal here. Like, that's <laughs> what I said the first time. And then the second time I said, you know, thank you. And, and gave him a hug, wow. you know, and, and, uh, and, and it just pulled me out enough. And then that's when I, then that's when I said, you know what, I need to get my ass back into treatment. I don't have, the, I, I thought I had it all figured out because, you know, I'd, I'd help start treatment centers. I'd help run treatment centers. I'd done all this. And then when I went back through therapy, when I went back through, I went to Wasatch, I was there for 30 days. And, um, when I was talking to my therapist, he's like, Don, so what were you, what, what, why did you stop working in treatment and helping people? I'm like, man, because I wanted to be successful. And he's like, Don, listen, man, you were 28 when you did that. You started teaching grad school in master's program at 26. You were already uh, on the executive team of Odyssey House. You'd already helped start a treatment program, New Rose, that has helped so many people. You'd help, you'd help grow Odyssey House, uh, which, which, which helps thousands of people a day now. You know, he's like, dude, you were already successful. And I'm like, and, I mean, and, and, and then that's when I realized in that moment, dude, that's what I have to do. So ever since then, every one of my business ventures been, um, every, everything that I've been focused on has been, um, in, in giving back and helping, you know, yeah. so whether that be through interventions, super companioning, um, we have a, we have a building company that does, um, that only strictly works with mental health and adolescent adolescent mental health and substance abuse and adult substance abuse, and mental health treatment centers. And, um, and then also, uh, have this new, um, family addiction initiative. Um, it's familiesaddiction.com. The therapist that's on there, it's actually Brett Vroman, uh, who was a great friend of mine, Jackson Vroman's dad, seven foot tall guy played in the NBA has an amazing story. Um, my best buddy, Jackson, um, uh, Nick knows him. Um, he, uh, I mean, it was a big, big story all over the news. I mean, he was an NBA player also, um, just mm. like his dad. And he, uh, he was, yeah, he was basically found dead in a, in a pool. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one morning and, uh, and anyone can oh, read up that Wikipedia, you know, anyone can Google that stuff, but, um, that's, that's hard to talk about. But anyway, Brett is, is the, is the clinician that's working with us and we're doing education. So for everyone that goes to a treatment center, whether it be sore, whether it be something else, um, there are the, oftentimes their family, they do have family programs at, at, at a lot of treatment centers, but the family is usually left with wanting to do more. And so, we, we offer a 30 day zoom program essentially where we're offering education. We have a, myself, an interventionist, we have a clinician and we have a, a substance abuse counselor that actually runs, runs the groups and they're two times a week for a month. So they actually have something that keeps them busy and helps them 
get themselves in a better spot and stop the enabling and be able to, you know, uh, the enmeshment and the things like that and become strong on their own while their loved ones are going through their addiction program, or they might not even be willing to do a program. Maybe they're just, they're still in addiction. They just want the help, but helping the family that they're often forgotten. I mean, you, you know, from your story that the families need a lot of help when someone's going through addiction. Oh, yeah. So we, we actually have that program that we're launching uh, in November. So tomorrow it'll be that it'll be this month, but we, nice. in fact, that being said, we're offering four scholarships for the first, for this first month. And I think we have two of them filled. So if anyone knows anyone whose family or the family of someone str- still struggling with addiction, whether they're in, in a program or not, let me know. Uh, you can call two six sobriety and, um, or text it or reach out on any of these platforms and then get a hold of me, but we're, we're going to scholarship two more families. And what's so. the treatment facility like? So it's not a facility. We're, we're just the, the, it's, it's the families. Oh, it's, you it's choose Zoom. to sponsor them where they need to go. Yeah, no, no, sorry, sorry. No, this we're scholarshiping for that, for our Zoom, for the, for the family addiction initiative, for the family program, we're scholarshiping the families. And how does the program work? So essentially out? the family will, so, so let's say that you're in treatment, right? Okay. So let's, and then let, let's say Felice, while, while you're in treatment, you might be somewhere where there is, where there is a, uh, where there, she's getting services when I may be coming once a week to a family group or whatnot, but we actually have a clinician, like I said, and a substance abuse counselor and an interventionist and we're it's, it's through zoom. So from the comfort of their own home, they're joining oh. the group and it's with families all across the country. So basically we do 10 families at a time per group. And, you know, depending, we, we had, depending on the family will depend on how many people, but usually four people in the family can join. And, you know, so whether there's teenagers going through it and the, and the wife or, or the husband or the aunt, the uncle, whomever, we actually, uh, we're, we're offering that. So as a kind of like a companion for them while their loved ones going through treatment. Cause I remember when I was going through treatment, my family was like, we don't know what to do, like how to help you when we're done. Thank you, Marilyn. Appreciate that a ton. So, yeah. So anyone please, uh, yes. Thanks Marilyn for that. Thank you very much. So anyway, I wasn't really planning on necessarily plugging that, but just saying that, that we do have scholarships for that, for anyone that's, that's, uh, who knows a family that's going through addiction, doesn't that's know what great. to do. We'll give them a 30 day program. So that is great, dude. Yeah. So anyway, so you asked me to tell that part of the story. So everything I've been doing since then has been towards recovery. And that's, I realized that that's the only way that I can keep my ego out of it is by at least minimize, like we all have it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, but is to be, is to just continue giving back to people and helping people because otherwise I, I know that I start thinking I'm hot shit. And next thing you know, I'm think that I'm, that I'm too good for this recovery stuff. And, oh, I can handle just a drink. I can handle just one oxy. I can handle just this. And then, like we said, it's that, like I said, a couple episodes ago, it's that shining key that takes us back in that dark room that, and your wolf on Wall Street We're again. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wolf on Wall Street until it's until I'm homeless, you know. Hey Don, thanks for sharing about Callie and what you've been doing. Sounds like a good fit with Brett in the new program. Yep, you know about Brett. Absolutely, Nick. You're most welcome, man. Thank you for for chiming in and being part of this, man. I dude, Nick, I would love to connect with you, man. Nick is uh I can't tell you how close how close we were, man. And 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 when it comes to our hearts, how close we still are, Nick. You know what I mean? I just have we just haven't seen each other in so long. But um, let's see what Epi say. LT looks like you dove back into that lifting, bro. <laughs> Indeed, he has. Oh yeah, I hit uh, four hundred five yesterday. Yeah, I did it here at Sore. Bam, ninety days. I dropped twenty one pounds, and I've increased all my lifts back to pretty much where I used to be. Uh, last night, I did lifted four hundred five. 
Dang, man. It's on the Facebook page. If you guys are not a part of the School of Addiction or the School of Addiction Recovery's Facebook page, look them up and join. You get to see all the stuff that we do. Alicia says, I'm not sure if I should say this now, but Don, you're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And she wants to know how the heck she doesn't know you. You guys have like ran circles, just like barely passing each other like this. Alicia, when did you start working at Odyssey House? <clears throat> so uh, I mean, since since there's kind of a delay, I'll tell you. So so I went through the program in 2006, and then graduated in so January 3rd, 2006. Graduated residential August 6, 2007, and then from August 6, 2007, for the next uh, three four months, was in transitional living, which was the one that was above the the administration building. Okay, three years ago. So I stopped working Odyssey House in. 2011 and we got big jake in the house what big jake so he's been the engineer today feeling that what do you have to chime in on this jake what do you think about about what we're talking about all the homelessness stuff and you ever been there yeah i lived out of a backpack for a couple of years really um, like in, in between jail stents yeah um i'd get out i'd relapse you know i'd had a, the unresolved trauma and really it it's 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 rough you know like i didn't i didn't i I never had the homeless shelter experience i never had like that i was always if i had dope i had uh, somewhere that i could be right of course yeah you know there were a few nights where the beard has arrived that is correct that's a legit beard i mean when they saw mine (laughs) last year mine was a joke compared to that thing but uh no, there was a few nights where it's you're out all night or you're just rough in like a park bathroom or sitting at the tables next to the library, sitting outside of sitting on somebody's porch. I've spent a few nights and it's like it was weird because then like lacking that temperature regulation. Yeah. All spun out. Oh, it's absolutely. Like three o'clock That's in the, the worst morning. Part to me. And a windstorm, and it's the middle. Like it was like the middle of July, and I I thought I was gonna freeze to death oh, on, really? <laughs> on this dude's front porch because I all I had was like a tank top. Yeah, and so it's like, and I I see I see people just strung out wandering the streets around my neighborhood. Absolutely, like, man. Just homeless, nowhere to go, and. It just, it sucks. Well, dude, I, the fact I didn't, I mean, man, going through that for two years, that's, and, and you were, and you, but you chose not to do the shelter experience. It sounded like, I mean, you were basically like, you had somewhere to be as long as you had dope, like you said, and then you, you chose to basically be kind of self-sufficient out of a backpack. What are some of the worst, what are some of the craziest things you went through? Like, obviously that, that experience on the porch, but you, we, 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 we saw a guy yesterday that literally had a titanium plate uh, on his arm like this like old night stuff, like nights to be able to guard. Like we, we saw people, you know, uh, sharpen, sharpen their machetes. machetes. Yeah. Sharpen their machetes yesterday. Like, you know what I mean? This guy, like it's to basically be able to block himself from a stab or something. Like, so I'm just saying like, what kind of, I mean, you weren't in the shelter. They, they were in front of it, but like, I mean, you're a big dude. So you might not have been victimized as much, but like people, they've often become victims. Like when they're well, I, out there. I don't know. I, uh, in, in my, meth-induced psychosis I, I used to always walk around with like a, a cane yeah and a towel around my neck 
Really? And people just thought I was insane. Yeah. And so in the... <laughs> was that intentional? What? No, go ahead. Was that intentional? Like the towel around the neck and the cane? To, did you want to convey that? Or did you have it, a it was, for I was trying your- to... I was... I was just sort of trying to do my own thing. And if people think you're just nuts, they tend to leave you alone. But then it was also very calculated because like get into a situation, like throw a towel in somebody's face and smash them with a cane. Yeah. Like they just think you're nuts, but everything was very calculated. It was all defense and offense based. And I, people thought I was crazy and, Tell they found out that it wasn't it just was some ca- wild hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy stuff. Right. You know? Dude. So, so I, I mean, so, I mean, look at you now. How tall are you? 6'2". You're 6'2". Dude, you seem like you're definitely taller than 6'2". Because I'm 6'2", and you're taller than me, bro. Uh-huh. You got to be. Anyway, wait, and how much you weigh? Uh, 220. So, what were you at? What were you at when you were homeless? Like, how skinny were you? Or or did you were able to kind of keep your size? Well, I don't know. I think I was, I think I was just about 200. Okay. So you're still a big dude. Yeah. So you were still pretty. Yeah, man. Cause I mean, it's just, I mean, we see some small dudes out there. Like, like one of the guys that we met yesterday, man, like remember he said that he went to go get a meal and basically got, got, got whooped last time he was down there. But so let's see what Epi say. Most times if you can pay, you can stay. It's when that money runs out, you're out too. That's the way of drug houses everywhere. Proof they only care when you got their drugs or money. It's true. Yeah, no, I mean, especially if it's a dope house, like you either got to have money or dope. Otherwise, you're you're feeding off the system. But so, so did you ever have to pull out the cane and the towel in someone's face? Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Uh, several yeah. times? Uh, I want to say several times. But, ha- but you had to but do it, and I, it worked. I, I have used it a few times. Um, just... You know, I use the cane more on like dogs. Yeah, that dude. That's like walking down the street at, at two o'clock in the morning, and like some like a Rottweiler gets out of his yard and is like chasing me down Dang. the street. That's stuff I don't even think of, right? But but that's that makes sense. You know, because then it's it's like that distance control. Like yeah, dogs coming at you, you just like jab it in the face. So it's like, all right, well. Yeah, this thing bites back. Like yeah. This, this human or whatever mm-hmm. I'm trying to bite bites back, so I'm not going to keep messing with it. Yeah. But how, how many police interactions did you have while, just, just for being homeless? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just for, what what, what, what would you be calling? Loitering or, or whatever? Uh, you know what I mean? Cops really just sort of thought that I was crazy because I'd get in this thing because it had, the, the cane had like a, it was, it was one of the hook. Yeah. And when cops would walk by, I'd just start walking like Chaplin. Like really in the cane, yeah. you know. Oh, that's just some crazy dude. Like, so you were you were calculated like as hell, he man. He ain't doing nothing. He's just being high, just being being crazy yeah, and bothering nobody. Like I didn't, I, I never shoplifted from stores after I went to prison. Really, but uh, like I I I just I wouldn't. Uh, I would bring attention to myself because in my in my head. It's the people that are trying to be sneaky and hide that get the attention from the police. Right. So, really, the more outrageous I was, yeah, the less likely it was for police to even stop me because they're like, "That dude's got like 
He's just the Charlie Chapson yeah. nut guy with the towel around his neck. Yeah, that, that dude cane. ain't that dude ain't doing nothing. He's just yeah, he's just hanging out. He's not bothering nobody, you know. So. Man, dude. So for so for two years, like so what? So why? Uh, like during during that time, I mean, were you were you did you just accept life how it was, or were you were you, were you choosing that? I mean, were you? Um, were, I was just high back, as balls. I was just, just high as balls. So it was just the addiction had you. Yeah. It's like I say in that dark room, like when we're in it, sometimes we can't even see the door. So we don't, we can't even see a way out of it. You know, it's like we're in that dark room. And, and as it's like that analogy, I say, as we're, as we're getting sober, our addiction is getting progressively worse. So that room that's, that's kind of in our house that we all live in, it's just getting nastier and the vines are growing and just, just more, more moldy and stinky. And just anytime mm-hmm. we go back in there, it's far worse than it was before. You know what I mean? Like my, I mean, when I got sober in 06, it was far different than getting sober in 2016. You know, like it was, it was, it was much harder. And, uh, because that addiction got worse, even though I'd, I'd had, you know, seven years of sobriety, you know, it got worse, um, when I relapsed. So it's, it's wild, man. Dude, so let me, so tell me these ring true. So here's some myths. So here's some, here's some, uh, homeless statistics and, the truth about common myths on homelessness. So myth number one, people who are homeless stay homeless for a long time. So here's the fact. Fewer than 1% of homeless individuals in 2017 identified as chronically homeless. Most homeless experiences are short-term. 53% of families and 71% of individuals exit emergency shelters within one month of entering them. I didn't know that. Myth number two, most of the people who are homeless are adults. Fact, in 2017, 65% of homeless individuals were single but 35% were family or children. There were 281 homeless families and 164 unaccompanied youth. So this is, this is uh, I'm guessing this is Utah. Homelessness has a huge impact on children interfering with healthy development and the ability to succeed in school. Myth number three, homeless, the homeless are to blame for their own situation. That's one you hear a lot, right? So many homeless People are victims of circumstance, illness, and abuse. Among homeless youth, there's a four times higher rate of mental illness than the general general population. Homeless individuals have a 49% rate of experiencing domestic violence compared to only 2% of the general population. That's wild. Bruce Banner. That's what, 25 times higher to experience domestic violence than the regular population? Several of these domestic abuse victims make up the homeless women in Utah. Uh, bankruptcy, divorce, and many other reasons contribute to homelessness. And then basically, uh, fourstreetclinic.org gave, provided these facts, and they have information where you can contribute. However, not taking away anything away from Fourth Street, I think they're amazing. But if you do contribute to us, I assure you that everything that we that we that you contribute, that you tag, like you know, for for this, um, we'll make sure that we that we do towards that project. And anyone that wants to come, down, oh, oh, David Banner. Epi, you like David Banner? He mentioned the Hulk. On the flow, on the flow. <laughs> to go back to what, 02, 01? With a little flip? No, he mentioned the Incredible Hulk. and Oh, Dr. David Banner. Dr. Bruce Banner. Doctor, that's right, Dr. Bruce Banner. Yeah, you, 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 y'all can't see it. But David I'm, Banner's the rapper. You know. Yeah, Bruce yeah, Banner. I, I would know. Like I'm actually wearing a Mr. Incredible's... Uh, you a Marvel guy or a DC guy? Both onesie. It is a onesie. <laughs> There's just no socks. What'd you think about the Watchmen? Because that was that was outside of DC and Marvel, right? That was its own. I forget who the. I think that was Image. Image, um, yeah. 
I liked the comic book better. Yes. Um, they, the movie was on point, but for me, they changed one. They changed one thing that ruined the the rest of the film for me. What was that? It was how they made Doctor Manhattan uh, responsible for the for all the deaths. Right. Because in the in the graphic novel, um, Ozymandias, he actually created like a genetically engineered creature to appear in the center of these cities. And I understand that was just a little bit too fantastic, but it, for me, it took away from the story. What about the series? Did you watch the series that HBO put out? I have not, but it was just last year, like for, for the movie, for a, a, a movie adaptation of a comic book, it was on point. And the only thing, like it was the biggest thing for me, but yeah, like they did a really good job with that watch. That's movie. rare for because usually when you go to the actual comic books, it's nothing. Like well, because they like, they hit all the one shots, like because in the graphic novel there were pages where it's just like this epic shot, like yeah. when uh, oh what was his name Night Owl? Yeah, Night and Owl and Silk Spectre were uh, in his ship. Yeah, Archimedes. And there's that, I remember the and it picture, comes out man. of the water, or when it's flying through the sky. Is anyway during the culmination, during the climax of that scene, the flames going through the clouds. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so pleased with how cryptic I was there, dude. I, I'm I not love paying it, man. attention at all. <laughs> yeah, LT, LT's busy over there. Any anybody that's watched it should have caught what I said there. Oh yeah. No, the uh, man, Washman, Washman, they did a good job. I, I'd be interested in your take on the series. The series definitely isn't as accurate, but it's still, yeah. it's still good. Is it going with the books, or is it like a side story? It, 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 it's, it's both. I mean, it, the characters are, you know, they still got the same, they still got the same characters, but uh, and the same heroes, you know. But it's um, it's more. I want to. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it's more present time. You know what I mean? Like, as opposed to, you know, it's, it, it, you'd have to, you'd have to watch it, man. Like I watched it a year ago and I watched it like all in a day. Like I think it was eight, maybe 10 episodes. Yeah. But it, it was HBO. It was a good production. If you put the book aside and try to watch it as itself, you'll like the show. If you're thinking about the graphic novel, it's, well, it it's depends on it, That would depend on if it was written as a like side story, you know, and then right. it would also depend on who wrote it. Like if Grant Morrison wrote it, as a supplement to the to his original graphic then you know that's that's something different but i'm gonna see who wrote it i'm gonna see who wrote it right now so episode one so let's see yeah 2019 action fiction so based on the celebrated graphic novel by alan moore and david gibbons the exciting dark watchman takes place in tulsa oklahoma 34 years after the original story okay so it is a side story so anyway yeah, so hey, people, people are talking about it, though. So, wait, I like the dedication LT shows at the gym. Keep up the good fight. That's from Nick. You know what? So, I mean, LT and, and Jake here as well, like, I mean, so it's so much more than just the gym. I mean, LT has – so for any of the, the, those of you that watched the War podcast that we did for the last two years, um, so anyone that watched the War podcast we did for the last two years, you know, uh, it um, – I mean – you know, it was usually you saw just me on my computer and, and, and doing that. We never went live. 
LT's come on and, and I mean, you guys saw the introduction. If you came and started watching from the beginning, I mean, LT's production is seriously some of the best production I've ever seen by anyone. I mean it, man. And he, he spends hours. So recovering addict is, is his business. Most, most of you guys know that Nick, I don't know if you do, but recovering addict is his, uh, his nonprofit. And, um, it's, uh, you know, he's got a discord. He's got people around the world that communicate. I mean, a lot of people on here are from that. Um, I mean, look, he's got YouTube, Facebook, how many other live platforms? Uh, private Facebook group, Periscope, Twitch, plus the sore. Yeah. All live at once. Yeah. Uh, seven different platforms right now. Yeah. And, and, and then also, like I said, the, the, the work we're doing with the homeless, I mean, that, the, what, what he's going to, what, we're, and I'm going to help him with the editing. I'm going to use my, he's, he's like a grandmaster. I'm like, he's like a <laughs> 2200 rating in chess. I'm like a 800 rating, but I can still do the premiere editing for anyone that saw the last, you know, the episodes um, last year. But anyway, we, we do have that Kalichi episode we still got to put out. Yeah. We should re-edit so, that. And yeah. Make it bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Make it really good because I have the raw footage as you yeah. saw. I'll just put that on so, my channel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's just put it out. It's ready. Yeah. So how are we on time? Uh, we're done. That's an hour, hour and one minute and 10 seconds we've been on. Yeah. So, I mean, just ending with everyone, thank you for tuning in and, uh, you know, anything you can do, just remember that, um, you know, one of the things we were told, I'm just going to end on this. Maybe one of the things that we were told by Brian is that we, when we asked and by Matthew, I think that when we were asked with what we could do for people, one of the biggest things that we've consistently heard is that if you just give them a smile, that makes the biggest difference in their day because they're so often just ignored. And if there's someone even asking for money, you're not able to give money, just at least give a smile and ask how they're doing. But the one dude that cracked me up the most yesterday was that drunk guy we were talking to. Oh, Jeff. And he yeah. was a little upset. He's like, yeah, I'm waiting for the girl and the dog to show up. Cause you can't go fly a sign in the corner without the girl and the dog. That completes yeah. it. I make more money when the girl and the dog's there. Yeah, he says, I make, I make three times the amount. He goes, I can make 50 bucks in two hours. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then he, then he also said, he's like, he's like, yes, he's like, so my wife's in prison. And then my girlfriend's I'm waiting for her to come out the shelter right now and i'm like Ooh, that sounds like a kind of a you'll, you'll see all this stuff but or no we didn't have that we didn't record but he's that, like yeah. yeah basically like you know that i'm like that's a scary situation for you bud and he's like well the real wife actually is is uh <laughs> is over in uh texas or something like that and anyway but we you know but just just have a chat with people you know it don't don't be don't be threatened man if anything you know it might be the other way around but just go and spread some joy you know what i mean i think that's a that's a big thing you can do so spread joy if you do have something to donate to people give them some money or, or give, give us the money. We'll make sure it goes to some, you know, useful, but yeah, like just tacos. remember there are people like us and any one of us that are addicts, we could be there at any moment. So heck yeah. Sweet Don. That's a good hour. Soar. Don't forget Soar school of addiction recovery here, downtown Ogden, Utah, located at 3075 Grant Avenue. Make sure you give them a call. I mean, you never know. We we're not a place that we were trying to get clients just here, but Frank, the manager, he's willing to go out of his way to find a program that's right for you. Yeah, so, absolutely. If you're just wondering about a program and a place in Ogden, call Frank, 801-943-2655. And he's, dude, he bends over backwards for people. I love it. He does. Yeah. And and, and, and uh, if you need any interventions, <laughs> two, six sobriety, you know, I'm always willing to help go do extreme interventions, no matter what it takes, you know, so, um, or if you need program recommendations, hit up. Frank and I are actually working collaboratively right now on helping this 14 year old get into, get into Odyssey house actually. So awesome. Christine, if you're watching, if you can help anyway, let me know. But cool. thank you, everyone. All right. Peace out. All righty.